Welcome to the Body Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Kiara. You can expect new episodes each Wednesday that are educational, inspiring, and honest surrounding various women's health topics, spirituality, and so much more. The Body Wisdom Podcast was brought to life by integrating the physical and emotional body to deepen one's healing journey. Thanks for being here and enjoy the show. Caitlin, welcome to the Body Wisdom Podcast. How are you, my dear? Hi, Kiara. Thank you. I am doing so well, and I've been very much looking forward to this conversation and opportunity. So thank you so much for having me. Mm, I'm so happy that you're here. And I'm just noticing, are we both on our exercise balls right now? (laughs) Yes, totally. This is going to be good. This is going to be good because there's a reason, right? There's a reason why I'm not, I, I, I just moved to my um, new space a couple months ago and I was like, I'm not getting a chair this time for my office. I just want an exercise ball and I have my standing desk um, too. So I'm sure we'll get into that, but um, I guess I just wanted to get to know you a little bit more. I I know you share so much on social media and I'm so grateful for that because I always pass along your info to all of my clients. I think one of my clients has even met with you. We can chat about that later, but um, yeah. How did you land in this space? Like what led you to be so interested in pelvic health? Most shortly put my own journey (laughs) and it became, you know, what I, the path that I took to pelvic health for myself was a long one. And it wasn't something that I just woke up one day and like walked into a pelvic care practitioner's office. Like I was very hard brought up in like a ranch community, like cowgirl vibe. So it was like work hard. Energy was like, not something I believed quote unquote believed in. And you know, just the amount of tension and grief and pain that I held in my body that I had accepted as normal, both from trauma and from, you know, being a woman was supposed to be painful. Right. Mm. Um, and eventually through a lot of really now what I see as preparatory work, I did start to see a pelvic care practitioner in person And it was really the last frontier that I explored of my body and just unlocked so many gifts and like so many realizations about myself and my story and understanding in my body. And, you know, really it became pretty apparent. It's like unexplainable as far as what was like gave me the nudge to share this work, but it just became really apparent that like, this is what I was meant to do. Mm -hmm. And everything that has opened up for me and the way that, you know, my community has grown on Instagram and things like that, just really back up that I'm doing what I am called to do on this planet. And it feels really good. And I'm just so honored to have the opportunity and the privilege to share this work. It's so needed. I think all of my clients 
I always recommend like, hey, like, have you seen a pelvic care like physiotherapist or someone to work with there? Because I think it's so necessary. And, and one of your posts, I saw that there's like this bottom up approach to nervous system regulation or healing trauma or doing shadow work. And it's the last place that I would ever think of yet. I feel like with all of the familial programming, societal programming, all the conditioning that we've been exposed to growing up and just how, how much shame I think I've carried and so many women have carried and and unknowingly or knowingly and it's like why wouldn't we start there if that's exactly where everything resides so I'd love to talk about that for a moment and what that looks like yeah absolutely you know I think that first of all there has been an immense amount of effort put forth in preventing women from tapping into the power and wisdom that they hold in their root and I think that's done on purpose. And also because of the shame that we hold there, like I said, this was the last frontier I had invested and was like decided to heal my body naturally for years. And, you know, there was nowhere really to even talk about, like, I didn't talk about my, the numbness I had during sex or the pain during my menstruation or my digestive stuff. Like, all of that was just so secretive and not even because someone told me that it should be, it was just, there was no space to talk about. Yep. And I think also, you know, there's this maybe even subconscious awareness of how powerful this work can be. And I think that creates a resistance to actually stepping into it because it's like, once we pull on this thread of the pelvis and like what we hold here, the shadows, the ancestral work, the, you know, wounds or traumas that we hold in this space, it's big, right? And it can feel really scary. And there can be this, like, I don't know if I want to touch that. <laughs> and all that being said, it is truly the most efficient way we can do so much energy work and chakra work and all this other stuff. And if we aren't getting into both, you know, the root of our physical body, our foundation and tapping it, you know, everything settles into this space, as you know. And when we start to work with that and then have this connected, rooted, grounded sensation in our body, we are able to hold so much more and really process, you know, release trauma. And I really see trauma as what is held in the physical tissues after traumatic experiences. Mm -hmm. So the body's ability and the nervous system's ability to release and move through and ultimately heal so that we can do the bigger work. You know, I think it's so important that we do the work for our body and our self and our story first and the ancestor stuff will come. The bigger stories, the bigger, more expansive work will come naturally. And as we do this work for ourselves in our own body and our own nervous system, we're really cultivating the capacity to hold so much more. Yeah, so much more. It really starts with us. So then we can do the work for also our lineage 
And there's a lot there that I think a lot of people don't even consider. And a lot of it, I know when I first started learning about intergenerational trauma, I was like, how does that even happen? But it makes so much sense. And there's actual like science to it for those who are like into the science of it, but some don't even need that to really understand like there's stuff within our lineage that we may be carrying that's not even ours. Just think of everything that's passed down and from like a a practitioner's lens, we think about um, imprintation of genetics and cells and epigenetics. You know, although these genes load the gun, we have to think about the lifestyle and, and trauma and food, et cetera, that basically pull the trigger. And just as society has become more modern and modern, I think that a lot of those genes are being expressed. Um, my fascination is with the cervix and the heart and how they're so connected. And that's through the vagus nerve, right? They definitely, there's vagal innervations to both. Right. And, you know, the uterus itself is made of the same tissue as the heart. Mm, I did not know Scientists that. in, I think it was Japan, have actually created beating heart cells out of stem cells from menstrual blood. Wow. Which is incredible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think that energetically, you know, as far as, and I think now is a good time to really recognize that when we talk about the uterus and especially the womb, as I see that as like the energetic space and the cervix, you know, many women, like two thirds of them in the United States, by the time they're 60, have a hysterectomy of some sort. Yes. And the doctors, the surgery cannot take the energetic power of these organs from you. Those are their sisters. <laughs> so when we talk about, you know, cervix and heart connection and, you know, being able to feel into that, I really think that's available for everyone. And that's a question I get a lot, especially when I talk about, you know, the vagus nerve cervix connection about, well, what if I've had my cervix taken out? I think that it is available and the body does, you know, pretty profoundly wise things <laughs> to heal itself no matter what when we create the space and the conditions for it to do so yep yep my mother she won't mind me talking about this but she has had a hysterectomy and I think it's it's evident when we become so disconnected from our bodies all of these symptoms start to appear and I've been trying to encourage her to start doing some womb work or, or I don't even know, like, is it called womb work? Is it pelvic care? I mean, whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it's so important to come back home and especially as someone who's given birth, right? Like, I feel like we should be preparing um, our wombs or vaginas or cervixes or uterus for this, for pregnancy anyway. Um, and then aftercare, after pregnancy, right? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Because otherwise, yeah. you yeah. know, and I think it's really, it's never too late and it's never too early to start this work. Symptom, painful symptoms, pelvic symptoms, fertility symptoms are not required to start 
working with and really incorporating pelvic health into your care routine and your healing routine. And I have worked with women into their late 60s, early 70s that are just starting to start this work that some do have, have had a hysterectomy. And it's still powerful, you know, just because we cut an organ out doesn't mean that the stories and the trauma in our lineage and in our life is just gone. Yeah. You know, and then we have scar tissue and that's a whole thing as well when we've had surgery. Mm. So it is, it's just so important, you know, to really enter, you know, my body of work I call integrative pelvic care. And it's really about integrating every part of ourself back into relationship with our pelvis. You know, I don't think we can just address one body part or one space without also looking at how it impacts and touches the whole body. We have a fascial system and blood and lymph and nervous system that connects the whole body. <laughs> so it's really important to go, you know, and go gently too. This is powerful work and it doesn't take, I think a lot of us, especially when we have, you know, painful or challenging symptoms, we want to do it all. And we're like really motivated and we'll do anything and we end up doing too much. And I speak from experience here and now teaching this work, you know, so much of it is doing less, creating space in your life, your home, your tissues for healing to occur. Like when we make that space and allow, it's amazing what will unwind and what will release and what will heal from doing so much less. <laughs> and it's really hard. <laughs> on its own. The body knows exactly what to do on its own. And I feel like a lot of us know that any intelligence that be, like is within us, but we don't consciously trust it yet because we are so desperately trying to do all the right things and then heal ourselves from our symptoms. As you just mentioned, I was, I was that person too, trying to do all the things. And I was like, but wait, like this. And it wasn't until I did less, I took less supplements. I really just focused on the simple things. Am I sleeping enough? Am I eating enough? Am I going outside and getting sunlight? Do I have like nourishing relationships and focusing so much less on like what's the next best thing. It really is just like that, that simple life. I did a podcast episode with Carly Ray and she just talked about like exiting the rat race. And, um, I just, I loved that so much because I feel like it is that like wake up call when you are on your healing journey. I feel like healing journeys are really just calling us back home to ourselves, back home to our truest essences of ourselves. And it really is like such a simple life that we need. And it's hard to believe that sometimes, especially when you have like marketing thrown at you left and right and like Amazon, like all these things. Not that, you know, I think I don't want to be like um, an extremist or a purist either, but, you know, it just being mindful, all of these different aspects of our lives that are maybe adding more and more to our plates and combing through those things where we can maybe have less. Um, so I love that. I love that perspective. Um, what are some of the things that you think lead to this place of 
dysfunction in our pelvic bowls. Tension, <laughs> mostly. And I think that tension can be caused from all types of traumatic events and experiences. And, you know, trauma gets, there's like so much around trauma now. And I think that's fantastic. And I think it's important to recognize that it doesn't take like major abuse or major traumatic experiences. Just our society is traumatic to a human nervous system. Like our nervous systems have not evolved at the rate that society has. So just when we are in a fast paced world, when we start tracking our safety, or if we're fitting in in school or we're bullied, or, you know, maybe we have an abusive relationship or something, we start to hold like from our root really involuntarily, we start to tense up. And I, you know, this was something that I felt and have unwound and felt unwinding in my own body. And so that's why I'm very familiar, intimate with this experience. And, you know, as we go through life like that, we hold more and more and more tension. And when we hold tension in our muscles over time, less blood can flow there, less lymph flows there, nerves are impacted and either numbed or painful or affect organ function and hormone function and kind of all of these different seemingly unrelated health symptoms can pop up. And, you know, again, coming back to that creating space literally in the tissues can, you know, when we bring blood flow back, healing occurs. Yeah. 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 I know that. I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, just like racing is what I was actually speaking to my students about the other day. It's just like this racing of up your shoulders up and your eyes open and just like the sympathetic state like all the time and we just don't even know it we just like almost deem it as our normal these days yeah. and I think you said it like I think just our nervous systems have not evolved um to move especially as women and like our female physiology and like the cyclical nature that we have to go to a nine to five every single day and work at the same pace every single day, do everything every single day, like get it all done. Um, and it's just, it's not how we evolve. So I think we have to consciously choose to live, a, a, I guess, a slower life. And that is sometimes really hard to let go of, especially as like some people are like, I don't know. Some, some people don't also have that like conscious choice to be able to make too. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> yeah. I think it's important to recognize that it doesn't, it's not like an all or nothing thing. Like you don't have to, I did most of the work that I share now while I was an executive assistant in an eight to five job supporting a CEO. And so, you know, and there's a lot to be said about having the resources financially and the stability yes. to do deep healing work yes. while you're supported by a job that is normal or familiar to you. So it's not like 
you need to quit your job and go live off the grid and then healing can start. <laughs> yes, exactly. I like to okay. say it's a turning a dial, not flipping a switch. Mm. And that really starts, you know, it's things like not scheduling happy hour when you're bleeding, maybe prepping some meals when you're really tired or during the week and, you know, not doing all of the extras. Like if you have to go to work, go to work and then come home and rest as much as you can. I know there's kids and family and all of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we start to develop a relationship with our body and start to lean into slowing down, it becomes more and more familiar. Mm -hmm. And I think that is when, you know, maybe you do make a big change. That's what I did just over a year ago. Now I left a corporate job and, you know, this was a, work I was doing on the side and I was passionate about it. And it was like, really, am I going to leave this security? And what if, and what if, what if? <laughs> and it became, it got to a point where I was, you know, knew that this is what I wanted to do and could not bear going to an office and serving a man in some way for the rest of my life. Like it just became like, no way. Yeah. But that's definitely not where it started. So I like to encourage, you know, we can start very slowly and it's not, you have to unplug from the system right away because if it, we're just doing it because we think we should, that is come, not really coming from the place that is healthy to create change Yes, or sustainable in yes. creating change. It's almost like making a choice with a dysregulated system too. It seems like such a it could also be like a shock to your system to do like an overnight switch like that. I think titration with everything is so, so important. And I'm sure that's the same as you are getting to know like your womb. I know a lot of women haven't even touched any part of them and maybe it feels very uncomfortable. So I think that part is um, very nice and slow too. So Absolutely. yes. What does that look like? Like as you're getting to know her, mm -hmm. like, what does that look like for a woman? Maybe there's like a practice someone can do at home. Yeah. You know, I think there is so much power in even simple visualizations and breath. And again, that seems like, I know it's like oversimplified, right? But we've been trying all the hard stuff and the complex stuff. <laughs> And it doesn't always work and it kind of can overwhelm us. And, you know, I require that women work with me in my foundation program to begin. And we don't do any internal or hands-on pelvic work. Mm. It is all, you know, just stepping into a container with the name pelvis in it can be enough to start to initiate change starting to understand our anatomy and what is going on underneath the skin and being able to, again, visualize our organs and the space in our body that we wish to create and the lymph flowing and the blood flowing and the nerves having space, just that acknowledgement can start to create shifts in a very, very gentle way. And there's no goal or like I'm not giving a, this is what this should look like for you. It's really a self-discovery pilgrimage into your own body. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I love that. Just like really easing into your body because I know a lot of women who also struggle with being in their bodies in general, even sometimes mentioning the word body can be very activating. And I think with trauma, there's disembodiment that takes place or they're experiencing chronic symptoms. And the last place that they want to be is in their bodies. Um, so I think like, a, like an invitation to that would be like joining a program, slowly easing into it. I think there's so much to be said about having a guide and having support, especially during like something that is probably really challenging to face on your own. Like I cannot say that enough about working with someone. And this is not just like, you know, just me saying that it's, it's, it's so true. It's so true. And I've seen that with myself as well, even myself as a coach, as a practitioner, like I still seek out mentors. I still seek out support. I still work with women to, you know, work on different aspects of myself so that I can feel supported and not have to do it on my own. I think that's very different for a woman to feel supported because they probably have felt like they need to do it all on their own for a long time. Absolutely. And I, I actually shared a post just a few minutes ago about the <laughs> sisterhood wound. And, you know, that is something that first of all, fear in our body and having fear about our body is so valid. And we have been conditioned for a very long time around, we need somebody else to tell us we're healthy. We need somebody else to tell us if we're okay. We need somebody else to tell us what to do. Yeah. And so, you know, having fear is so natural. Anytime we do something new, I also love my supportive sisterhood containers and it's still scary when I say yes to that. So that is a part that every woman who comes into my world is afraid on some level. It's totally natural. And it's, you know, there's so much wisdom in fear, right? And in protection and in body armor and all of that. So there's no shame in having all of that up and being, you know, being cautious. There's a reason why we were, we were wired that way. Mm -hmm. And it's so essential to find a space where you are able to lean into that fear and be supported because, doing this work, you know, again, I went through it kind of by myself. Like I had a practitioner that I was seeing, but I didn't have friends I could talk to about this work. It wasn't like a coaching situation where there was calls or support in between. It was just like, luckily I was really well resourced and able to do this work with myself and figure it all out. And that is not, you know, I don't think it's sustainable. And I think it's actually so much more powerful when we do get to share our experiences with other women and talk about what's going on. And of course, it's going to bring up triggers and activations and comparison and judgment and all this stuff. And that you can learn so much if you're willing, you can learn so much about yourself. And when you're sitting there, a, you know, a few weeks or a few days ahead of someone else in a program and you can cheer them on, that is healing. And that is so profound and something that I don't think is, we don't even recognize that we miss it or desire it because it's so foreign, really. Yeah. Yeah. 
I couldn't agree more. And I myself like have struggled with the sisterhood wound, especially like if there's been, you know, I feel like in high school, there's just like some cattiness, some like isolation, if, you know, feeling left out from a group bullying, like, I feel like this is unfortunately like something that I think, um, the like public school systems, like maybe, I don't, I don't know how it is today. Cause that was like how many years ago, um, but I just feel like there needs to be more support there for our children. And, um, that is definitely something that I have carried with me throughout the years. And I became that girl who was like really good with the guys, you know, good, with, good with the boys, like the boys love me and whatever. Um, and so I didn't really have that like girlfriend community that like I could just go to like it, grow, growing up throughout the years. And I really like pushed that to the side until like just a few years ago, a couple of years ago, really like, um, but I was like, dang, like I need sisters. I need community. And then as like, actually just kind of like talked about this yesterday on stories too, like, as I've also started learning about new things and maybe my beliefs started to change, or maybe I started talking about like Yoni steaming or whatever the case is, like, um, finding people who as well, like know what that is. And I actually did just a couple of week weekends ago, like happenstance met this girl. We were like the exact same. I was like, this is so crazy. Um, and it's just, there's a sense of like, just belonging that felt sense of like peace, that felt sense of home that you get when you are around that kind of community who like just aligns with you. And not that everyone in your life has to be in that, but like, I do believe in having at least like a small knit community of people who do kind of, um, you know, have similar beliefs and stuff. It's just, it makes such a big difference in the way you show up every day. Yeah. And I was even thinking about it the other day, you know, how you can do all the mindset work or whatever in the world. And if you aren't surrounded at least sometimes by people who are doing what you desire to do and see it happening and see that it's possible, the doubt and the fear and the old conditioning that is kind of running the program is going to keep surfacing. And it's just so, it makes it so much more efficient really and more sustainable to have a space to celebrate when you feel better to go out and say, wow, I started Yoni steaming and <laughs> I had like a worse period and have all this stuff coming out of my body. And it's, you know, just having that ability to reach out somewhere because otherwise it's like that fear comes back. We think we're doing it wrong. We think we're all alone. You know, that was my big thing. I thought I was the only one who didn't have like incredible mind blowing sex and who had major pain during menstruation. And it was just like, we, nobody talked about it. So of course I'm like, well, That's everybody it. on TV, like, I just imagine like every woman and her partner, like, yeah, you feel, all the time. It's great. <laughs> you feel like you're the only one who's going through this. Yeah. Oh, I felt, I was like, gosh, like, and I didn't talk about it because I was so embarrassed. I was like, I must be the only person who's dealing with these symptoms. I cannot like express that enough. And then I found like, you know, my community, my people, I went through all my trainings. I was like, wow, like there's 
so many of us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that is something I think why I felt so called to start sharing this work. And I am a, the oldest sister of three sisters and oh. our youngest sister suicided four years ago. And I think that, you know, looking back on our childhood and even recognizing the sister wound within us as blood sisters and not having even talked that much and connected that much and, you know, just being able to, and having the privilege too. like, I recognize that my ability to have gone through the work and the healing and the transitions that I have and hold it all and come out on the other side and be able to spin it into something that can support other women, you know, it's such an honor to be able to do that and share that. That is such a beautiful, like, I love when we hear stories like that, that, that depth, the trauma, I feel like brings so much depth to us around and you get to teach from that space. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry that happened. Thank you for sharing that with Thank us. You. Yeah, of course. Speaking of Yoni steaming, um, it's been something that I've been doing for a few years now but more so consistently recently. Mm -hmm. And I noticed with my last cycle that I just finished, um, I had never experienced so much rage before I got in like the morning that I got it. I never felt like lighter. <laughs> it almost was like this huge release that mm -hmm. I needed. And, um, before I started or no, yeah. When I started steaming, I, I did start noticing stuff coming out of me, like just this brown, like almost like really dark, like cervical mucus, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Agnation. <laughs> Agnation. Yes. And, um, I don't know. It was just like really weird to me because I was, I am never, I, I mean, I have been someone who was really symptomatic around her cycle, like way back in the day when I first started menstruating, but typically like my moods were not, they, you know, they do fluctuate. I'm not like a perfect angel all the time, but, um, I've never experienced that, that much rage and depression before I got my cycle. And I was like, what is happening? I felt like I was spinning and I felt like I was out of control of myself, which was so unusual. And then the morning I got my cycle, I was like, ah, oh. it was just so, it was, it was beautiful though. Actually, I wasn't upset about it. <laughs> Yeah, that is, you know, I think that kind of touches on the worse before better syndrome or just moving through something. I, you know, it's so important to recognize as a practitioner and doing this work, like my journey and my work is not over. <laughs> I still go back to the same practices that I teach in my introductory program to support myself. And as we start to deepen our connection to our body and really be able to listen on a deeper level, I think there's so much information that can come through as far as something like you just described and really moving through something like something was surfaced or kind of, I imagine it as like caked mud, like loosened off or something. And then the menstruation comes and we're able to release on a physical and energetic level yeah. and, you know, really celebrating and leveraging that wisdom of our body, that body wisdom <laughs> is so 
important and beautiful. And, you know, there's going back to that fear around our body when we, especially if we're just doing this by ourselves, like I, you know, I thought I was doing something wrong or something was like bad was happening with me. We're so conditioned around like something's off. Do I have cancer? Like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm going to die. (laughs) That it's so important to have some sort of ability to reach out and just for that assurance of like, we are moving through something like sickness can be such a portal and this ease in the body is, you know, there's something deeper than just a physical symptom going on there. Yes, yes, yes. I think of symptoms as our messengers. I'm sure everyone has heard that saying before, but like, um, it's a somatic experience and our symptoms are there to, for us to get curious about. And I think that I will never be symptom free. I'm so grateful for my symptoms to, to warn me like, Hey, maybe that's a little too much right now. Or I don't, I don't know, like (laughs) whatever the case is, my body is simply guiding me throughout life. And I never want to be symptom free because my body is giving me those clues throughout every single experience that I will continue to have for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I even like to look at it as pleasure and vitality is a symptom also. Yes. Like we always think of symptoms as like bad, bad or there's something wrong with us or we're broken or, you know, whatever. Well, it's all information and it's all just the language of our body. And when we feel good and we feel spaciousness, like that's something I would invite listeners to feel into. What does spaciousness feel like in your body? It's different for all of, you know, we're the only one existing in these vessels, So it's just being able to feel into that because when we do have a moment of spaciousness or pleasure or a shift, no matter how small it is, when we really sit with that and like recognize and acknowledge and celebrate it, you know, we're able to pick up on those cues sooner and sooner. And that can go both directions on the spectrums from pleasure and pain to numbness and everything in between. And, you know, we get so in the mindset of it has to happen fast. I need overnight results, whatever that means. <laughs> if we go for one week and it's not quote unquote working, then we give up and quit. And I think so much of that has come in from the diet industry. Yes. And <laughs> that could be a whole conversation <laughs> on its own, but, you know, being patient with our bodies and you know, when we do a practice for one month or one cycle, we've touched our cycle at each place one time. Now we have to go back and do that like three to six to 12 more times and really just honor that process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really building a relationship with our bodies and probably for the first time ever, um, because I don't think a lot of us were really raised to do so. And we get to change that. I know I'm so excited to have a daughter one day and yeah. all of these things like I love it. Um, and you said something about pain and pleasure. I want to talk about this because don't they share like the same synapse? And when we shut ourselves down to pain, we also shut like numb ourselves to our pleasure, right? Is that the saying? That, yes, that is something that I don't know the science behind, but that is what I teach because when we are you know, afraid of, or trying to get away from sensation period, 
which can be, you know, if it's new to sit with our body, like we kind of touched on earlier, it can be, it's unfamiliar, which can feel unsafe. And also when we can sit with sensation, whether that is pain or pleasure, then we are able to, you know, I think move through, especially something that might be painful and also become more comfortable with sensation like pleasure. And I think that there is, you know, going from complete numbness during sex in my vagina and to having pleasure and sensation, it was not this like snap my fingers and everything is good. Even with, you know, when I see women in person and do pelvic care sessions, sensation will return just with presence with the tissues. And it takes integration and especially being with somebody else to bring that on. It's really important that we cultivate that relationship with ourselves and our body yeah. and are able to sit with pain or pleasure with ourselves first before we put pressure on somebody else <laughs> to do it for us. And if we don't know, right, what feels good or what feels bad, then it's hard to support a partner or somebody else in our lives, whether it's sexual or not, it could be just in life in general, knowing our needs, right? Yeah. It's all being supported. Yeah. And I think there's so much to be said about getting curious about our pain. And I think there's a difference between that and allowing our pain to collapse onto us because then that's when I think a lot of I think that's why a lot of us push it away because of how like easily we can allow it to take over yes and I think when you know when we just are like pretty disconnected from our body and we just feel pain mm -hmm. it's like this just hurts yes this just hurts I want to get rid of it we take the pills we do whatever we need to do to get rid of it and there is a time and place for that. Like I have been through it. I had sciatica and low back pain when I was in my early twenties and, you know, having been through that and needed to get, you know, take care of horses and do all these things that I couldn't be in pain for. There's a time and place now on the other side of this and practicing what I preach, you know, I, I actually recently had the muscles around my sacrum were spasming hmm. like to the point where it was hard for me to get out of bed. <laughs> and it's such a, you know, of course there's still this like, Oh, I should, I could just take something, but it was so interesting to me to feel like all of the subtle things that were actually going on. Like it wasn't just this pain in my sacral area. It was like, there was stuff in my neck, there was stuff down my spine there was stuff in my shoulder and just like feeling these like little tiny movements or sensations in my body and sitting with that, you know, I was better within about three days. Wow. And that, you know, it reminded me of a time where I fell on my sacrum and I had the same symptoms going on. And I thought I broke something because I was just so out of touch with actually what, you know, muscle pain versus like a bone break. It all felt the same. It was just pain. So I think that was a good, you know, it's a good reminder for me <laughs> when I do have a painful cycle or something, again, it's not like we get to a point and it's just snap our fingers. Everything is good to go. <laughs> oh, yes. I We're still doing the work. <laughs> still doing the work. It's a lifelong 
practice this whole health journey. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way, truly. Like I, I think that, I mean, what you said earlier about like, you know, diet culture and snapping your fingers and like, you know, cutting your calories and overnight you lost five pounds, whatever, whatever the case is. I think, um, allopathic medicine sometimes, you know, offers that too. And, and, and that's not like a, a black and white, um, statement that I'm making. I think that, you know, there are wonderful doctors out there. My doctor personally recommended that I go visit a functional medicine doctor and I will be forever grateful for her because she's the one who pretty much opened the doors for me to like even learn about this space. Um, and, but, you know, there are a lot of, you know, prescriptions, for example, that, you know, do just take the pain away quickly. And it just completely numbs the, the somatic experience that is life. It completely numbs the human experience. And we, you know, that adds on to the load of being disconnected from our bodies at a completely different level too. And so just more and more and more, we become so out of touch with our bodies. And I think if there's one thing that we walk away from with this episode is that it is so worth and you are so worth and you are so deserving of knowing exactly what it feels like to be embodied, to be in your body. It's, that is the life experience. I mean, it's just, I can't really put it into words, but when you feel that way, when you know, get, get to know all the sensations that you were just speaking of with your spine and the spasms and stuff, like just being with those and just noticing them and just simply being the observer to them, everything just kind of dissipates on its own. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a beautiful experience to be a part of, honestly. Yeah. It's really, I say that once you feel like I can give all the information in the world, but it's not going to change anything as much as when you feel your own body healing because of the work that you have done or your own touch Mm. creating that space and giving that nourishment like that is life-changing yes completely transforms I think how we take care of our bodies right we've been told like there's so many things out there about what we should be doing and shouldn't be doing but when we actually really trust and nourish and deeply love because we have understanding and gratitude for these amazing vessels then it becomes so much easier to make choices that support ourselves instead of just, oh, well, so-and-so said I should do this to get rid of this pain. It doesn't, again, it doesn't come in like a sustainable way. Yeah. And, and I used to practice that way when I was still out of touch with my body, like here, I will help you get rid of your symptoms. (laughs) I will help you. And, and, you know, I think that and what I've realized is that I simply facilitate the healing space and you get to do all of the work because I realized that for myself when I stopped outsourcing my health. And that doesn't mean that you can't have a guide. You can't have support. Like I just, Mm -hmm. like we just spoke to, I think there's a lot to be said about that. And you get to take your power back when you realize that you are the only one, your touch, your sensation, everything gets to bring you back home to yourself. Yeah. It's a co-create, you know, I see it as a co-creative experience, even with, you know, that's why we go, I work with women virtually before we do any in-person work. We do integration work virtually afterwards 
because it is a co-creative experience and I am not there to fix someone so that they can just go back to, you know, whatever patterns they had. Like, I want to hold the space for you to discover your own healing capabilities and power and wisdom within. Yeah. Yeah. It really is such a beautiful experience. Um, I kind of want to switch gears really quickly. Um, menstrual products. I want to have a better understanding. And I think some of my listeners may need to hear this too. Um, what, what are your thoughts on them? Are there any that you recommend? Like what's happening with tampons? Like give it, give it to us. (laughs) So I mostly use tampons for most of my life and switched probably five or so years ago, switched to a menstrual cup. I think it was a great transition to get to know my blood, to see my blood, to have a different relationship with it. Then I switched to period panties. Mm -hmm. My cramping went away. My bloating went away. All these things shifted. And the last time I put a cup in was more than two years ago. And my body went into like, it was literally convulsing. And I know that there's a lot out there around support of the cups and people think that they're great, but on an energetic level, as we touched on earlier, when we are menstruating, we are releasing. And when we are plugging the cervix, the vagina, a space that is going through this powerful, like downward energy flow, we're preventing that on some level. Yeah. So I really highly recommend either pads, like you can get reusable cotton ones. And if you want to work with your blood, you can always soak pads. You can still work with your blood with, if you're like using it for your plants or something like that. I know that's a reason why people will lean towards the cups. Um, if you are buying them from a store, you know, just making sure it's organic cotton and there's no scent in it because <laughs> that, and they're like really sneaky. I picked up a set, um, a box at like natural grocers recently, just like going in to grab some and look down and it's like lavender or something. It's like organic cotton. And it's like lavender. And I'm like, I don't want that. <laughs> it is Essential not oils are very drying, way too drying for the vagina and vulva. Yeah. Oh. Um, and then period panties. There's a lot of different brands out there. And I know there's, you know, I personally still use Thanks. I know there's been some articles about the products in Thanks. There's, you know, if we get too nitpicky about all of that, we're going to drive ourselves crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then all that, all that tension returns is exactly the opposite yeah. of what we're supposed to be accomplishing here. Yeah. Um, and free bleeding. Like if you're at home and you can just sit, like if I'm just at home working or something or sitting in bed when I menstruate, sitting on a towel and allowing your blood to come or there's, um, Venus mats. I think it's Venus matters and they're like menstrual mats. Um, and you know, anything that we can do to really allow that flow to happen really from like, so as down to feet, opening up those channels can help so much. Even some stretches with that, those spaces, if you do have menstrual pain can shift things Mm -hmm. very quickly. Yeah. Love touch. Um, yeah, I had a very similar experience as you. I, I've 
only used tampons my entire life. And then back in 2018, I started learning about menstrual cups and I was like, Oh, I want to do this to be like, you know, so it's better for the environment, environmentally conscious. And I don't have to worry about tampons and this and the other, like they're not that comfortable anyways. And so I transitioned over to a cup and something just in me, I was like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like I feel a lot of pressure. Um, it doesn't feel as comfortable. That was like after like a couple of years. And then, yeah, the whole idea of like, well, this is supposed to be coming out of me. Right. Um, so then I just transitioned over to pads. And so going back to the middle school days, but <laughs> I, I love them. Like I, I really don't mind them. And as someone who works from home, like I don't have to necessarily worry about anything and, you know, going out into public and stuff. Although I still think they can be worn out in public. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I just, I, I feel so much better and so much more connected to with like actually feeling the flow of my blood coming mm -hmm. out. Um, it's a really good feeling, especially as someone who used to only have like scanty periods. So mm -hmm. feeling the blood coming out is a nice sensation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'll have to find that Venus matters, uh, top, like, I don't really know what it's called. Uh, like a mattress or yeah venus it's max. Like, yeah venus max venus. i don't personally have one but they have come highly recommended from some people i trust so yeah i'm gonna have to link that in the show notes for anyone interested. <laughs> um caitlin is there anything else that you're you think our listeners our listeners should know before we hop off today i think Remember that you are not broken. Mm. There's nothing within you to fix. Yeah. You are worthy of healing. And, you know, I think especially with the somewhat turbulent environment over the past week, especially in the U.S. around women's health and women's body autonomy, mm -hmm. it's so important that we do return to our body wisdom. Mm-hmm because when we nourish and resource ourselves and hold that wisdom, when we remember that we are able to support each other. And there's so much power in that. And we truly, I believe we rise together. Yes. And yes, I'm cheering everyone on. <laughs> Love that so much. What a beautiful note to end on. Um, where can everyone find you? What do you have coming up? What's happening in your practice? Yeah. <laughs> uh, integrative pelvic care is my Instagram. And that is the community to find me, ask me questions. That's where I share a ton of free content and resources. As I mentioned, I have a introductory program foundation that is available. I offer it in different types of containers but it is integral into getting into this work with me. It's really the nervous system work and getting to know, you know, laying the foundation of working with our foundation, the pelvis. And I also do in-person body work in Denver, Colorado, and I travel as well. Yeah. And that's really the cherry on top of this work that I love so much. 
Wow. That's awesome. I'll teach more about you and chat with you about that. That's so cool. I will be sure to link all of that in the show notes. Thank you for coming on and thanks to everyone who listened until next time, guys. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. If the episode resonated with you, feel free to share it with a friend and give the podcast a five-star review and rating as this allows us to grow and continue having incredible guests on the show. Thank you so much for your support until next time.